and welcome to the Talking Outsourcing Podcast. My name is Mark Kobayashi-Hillary. In this podcast, I'm talking with Bill First, who three years ago started the Horses for Sources outsourcing blog, which has grown in popularity. And this month, Bill actually changed the direction of the blog and launched his own research and analysis firm, also under the Horses for Sources brand. I talked to him a little bit about this change in direction, the launching a new analysis firm, what that means, and how he's using social media to change the industry itself. The, the blog itself started in 2007. So what's been the journey so far? I mean, how, how, how far have you taken it? <laughs> yeah, so... Um... Yeah, we started the blog three years ago, and I actually did it when I was a consultant at Deloitte. So I was an analyst for many years, and then I was a consultant, and you know, I felt that I was getting tired, to be honest with you, writing for certain industry publications. Not your one, but certain other ones. And you know, I think you wanted more of an outlet for thoughts and debate and, and banter and that sort of thing. So we started the blog back then, and I didn't feel anyone was really doing one in the services space or one that we knew of. And, um, yeah, it really rollercoasted from there. You know, we started doing very much more niche in BPO, more sort of HR, FNA. And then um, we got, a, you know, a nice little following going. And then I started to broaden it when I went to AMR. And, um, you know, when, when you're an analyst, it actually is very helpful because you get a lot of attention towards your blog because people – associate you with it and the fact that you're an analyst actually gives you a little bit of a head start in building more attention on what you're doing so we really got the thing going uh very aggressively there um to the point now where you know we've got i think fifteen thousand direct subscribers uh, i think there's around eighty thousand who get it on rss mm. and um you know, the traction is tremendous, and uh, my analytics engine actually fell over this week. So I think that was a good sign that we're doing we're doing something right. So, Right, that, that's good. I mean, that's interesting as well, because you mentioned about, it, you know, if you're seen as an analyst uh, at one of the big um, firms, then, you know, naturally people will look for, for your personal opinion as well. And clearly we saw that problem with Forrester recently, where they, they asked their, their analysts to be... Uh, blogging within Forrester rather than outside of Forrester. So, I mean, how, how, do you, how did you sort of get around that, that problem at the, the firms that you worked at? Well, um, it, 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 it's a great question. And, um, you know, when I, when I joined AMR back in end of 07, um, you know, blogs were still pretty new. And I think at the time, and AMR was a unique company anyway, it wasn't really into protectionism and things. It was sort of just, they just wanted their analysts to go out and make hay. And and, and they tended to find that work very well. And it was like, oh my God, if analysts actually want to write and do their, you know, they actually want to put their own opinions out to the market, we should bloody encourage them to do that. So when I joined, they had a look at it and thought, oh, that looks really good. Yeah. yeah, you know, we'll keep an eye on it occasionally. It's not, as long as there's nothing inappropriate on it, uh, we'll let them get away with it. And then we, we actually found clients loved it. And, um, and what we did was uh, we tried to actually encourage other analysts to blog. And, and the funny thing was is that half of them didn't, didn't want to anyway. I mean, they were writing all day yeah. from nine to five. So why on earth would they want to do blog posts in the evening and things like that as well? So it was only really, you know, two or three analysts who could actually be bothered. And it was actually the same, to be honest, in Forrester and Gartner. It would only usually be two or three analysts who generally, 
had the motivation to blog as well. Mm. And um, yeah, I found it incredible that that some of them have gone to the lengths they have to prevent analysts from doing it. And it's also, I think the blogging phenomenon is, is matured now. So I think those blogs which are successful are already up and running. And, you know, for an analyst to blog now isn't really the same appeal as it was two or three years ago where it was, oh, wow, we've got Ray Wang or whoever giving us his absolute lowdown on something and it's come straight to market. And I think it was the t- it was the speed of analysis and thought which was really appealing. So if there was a merger in the morning between whoever and whoever, you could quickly blog it in 10, 20 minutes mm. and you'd, you'd literally get the news. Everyone would just go straight to the blog and pick off whatever you said and you pretty much dominated that story. And the analyst firms traditionally, you'd do a little brief of, you know, what this all meant and stuff, and then you'd have to send your work to an editorial department. And you talk to any analyst off the record, they'll all pretty much tell you the same thing. Editorial in, in research companies will sit on something for a very long time yeah. and will tend to not really add anything beyond, um, you know, very cursory, you know, grammatical changes so they wouldn't actually make any change to the meaning or the content they would just maybe make the language common or they said we don't like you using that word solution or something mm. whereas you know the reality today is people don't care that much about a typo or something that might not be grammatically correct it's all about quick rapid inside information and, and i think that um, it did create a lot of problems within the research firms when some analysts did like to blog because effectively, it was making the editorial teams redundant in the analyst houses, and um, you know it was it was really going against the grain of, of, of what they did. But at the same time, you know, I said, look, these analyst firms have made millions of dollars off the internet, off the, you know the rise of the internet, the rise of e-commerce and e-business, and, and and so forth. And now the internet is reaching their industry; they're resisting it. Yeah. And it's almost a bit like what happened in the music industry when, you know, Napster came in and, and some of the online, um, you know, music music content distributors came in and really threatened the music business by offering unfettered content around the internet. I mean, now look what's happened. Mm. People are now buying their music online. I mean, who, who on earth buys CDs anymore, right? Everyone downloads their music off iTunes or wherever and they pay for it. Yeah, and yeah. these guys are now making more money than ever because they—they're actually embracing the internet as a channel to get their product to market more effectively. Now, what the research firms are trying to do is they're trying to package their research to market in such a way that they're—but they're not packaging the analysts anymore. And I think—I think the core issue here is. Does Forrester and Gartner do they want to market their analysts or do they just want to market their own brand? Mm. And, I, I, and what these guys don't like is people ringing up and saying, "I want Bill, not Ben." Yeah, and uh, you know they want to be able to sell Forrester Gartner. So you know what they're essentially doing is, you know, telling the analysts, "You're not brand- We don't want you to brand yourselves anymore. You're part of our machine." And that's fine. That's the way they want to go. That's the way they want to make money. Great, but I. I think the public like analysts, they like personalities, and the job of the analyst is to create buzz, mm-hmm. to create excitement in the market. And if, if you're not marketing the analyst, then what are you doing? You're essentially creating quadrants and waves and, and whatever. So that's one of the reasons why we started the Horses for Sources as an analyst organization was, you know, we were really crossing the line between opinion, research, and social media. We started to do a lot of 
research using our social media network. So we did a big study back in January, for example, and we put the questionnaire out through the blog. We put it. We got a LinkedIn group with nine thousand in it, which is very helpful to have. And um, we also rang up our friends at Global Services Media and SSON and said, "Hey, how do you like to open up your community to our survey, and we'll give your members a free copy of the findings as a result?" So. We pushed the study out. We got 1,055 senior respondents across buyers, sellers, intermediaries in the industry. We got the data in two to three weeks. It cost me $20 for SurveyMonkey to do that. And there we had, I think, the best, most current industry data set you know, on the market pushed out you know, to industry very, very quickly. I don't think anyone else is doing that. And it really just got me thinking, it really is time to take this model, really push it out to market, because you get, you get the rapid opinion. Uh, we have the ability to research markets quicker, faster, and more responsive than anyone else. Three or four years ago, to do a study from a research company to cover a 1,000 respondents would cost you upwards of 50 grand. Yeah. And now it's costing nothing. And essentially, we just we, we we change the model, and you know what you sell ultimately is you're selling analyst relationship. You're selling people want to pay to be able to call up our analysts and talk to us, spend time, have strategy sessions, do workshops and things like that. And our research is what gets everybody excited and gets everybody to want to talk to us. So, I mean, that's the model in a very simple, simple way. Well, exactly. I mean, and that's really been this this month that you've been sort of promoting that 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 change of focus. And I guess. You know, because a popular blog um, it could perhaps be be uh, likened more to to a magazine. You know, it's a media outlet, um, and and what you're doing now is sort of building that audience and then turning it into a research house. You know, becoming a an an, a new analyst group. But how much? How does that work then? Because you're talking about a lot of the information you're publishing being very public and very immediately available, and a lot of the traditional analysts. You know, I mean, as you said, they, they, they take their time, they, they produce reports that are only published within closed communities. So, so how, are you, you, how are you going to sort of make that pay? It's, it's a great question. And I think uh, to start off, when I looked at saying, you know, it's time to take the horses to monetize it effectively, I've got two choices. One is I can go become a media brand and try and sell sponsorship and banner ads and God knows what around the side of it. And I could probably make a little bit of coin doing that. Uh, or, you know, we can really invest in making this truly a credible brand. It's a very popular brand. People love it. People love coming here. They kind of trust what we say because you build that over time through continual opinion and, and data. And so I, I took the attitude, if we do start selling out to sponsors, we're going to lose credibility pretty quickly and we'll become like, you know, a few of these other portals in the industry, which just literally have vendor white papers hanging off them and sponsors and logo. I just didn't want to go down there. Um, I took the attitude here that uh, what people pay for right now is so. So um, most of our clients are users, and what they pay for is they want us to come in and spend time with them. They want us to help them make decisions around vendor selection, around um, sourcing strategy. Uh, around maybe some some help with the RFP development, things like that. Um, the research is what gives us credibility to get in the door. But you can't tell someone exactly what to do in, in a 10-page report. That report is usually uh, some some interesting insight in, in, in where to go. The real value was beyond that in the relationship. So, uh, you know, our clients... 
will actually pay for us on an analyst retainer basis uh, to support them, you know, using inquiry hours, um, using strat days and, and things like that. So that's really the model. The beauty of what we do as well is that because we're so uh, connected in a um, because we're so connected socially to our market, because we're researching the market, our overheads are very very low. Uh, we don't have to employ uh, large numbers of editors. We don't have to employ large salespeople. To be honest with you, uh, it's literally the analyst to the market with a thin layer of support around that. So because of our cost model, you know, we don't have to do what Gartner and I say the name. That those guys have such heavy infrastructure cost, they have to absolutely monetize. Uh, everything and stick it behind a paywall because our costs are relatively low. Uh, we can afford to, you know, have an analyst uh, command maybe revenues of two x their salary. Yeah, and, and and we're making we're making good profit. So you know we've got a completely different cost model. Uh, the clients love it because they can have direct contact with us very very quickly, and um, they don't feel like they're dealing with some huge clunky infrastructure organization. They feel that you know they can ring us up straight away, talk to us, get the lowdown. What do we see going on in the market? And um, that works very well. Um, in addition to that, you know, we have vendors like to spend time with us as well. So do intermediaries and advisors, and you know, they know because we're so connected with the buyers, um, they're willing to you know pay for our time to give them feedback on on the market and things like that as well. So it's a very good symbiotic relationship we have between the buyer, the seller, and the intermediary. Okay. Well, you mentioned also, I mean, around the use of social media, around um, Twitter, LinkedIn. These kinds of tools, um, and right. I suppose partly that's for information gathering. But is that really, um, you know, is that really how you've built up a community and, and promoted the work that you're doing, the research? Um, I have I have to give LinkedIn a lot of credit because we started. A, I started a LinkedIn group. I was like one of the first to do it, and it was purely by chance. I just remember LinkedIn advertising groups, and I started one on BPO uh, back in '07 when I actually just before the blog. And because of that, um, uh, because of that, um, you know, we got a lot of people very quickly into our LinkedIn group, and it was like. Um, a big pull in just getting information out to market. So that was a big help for us. Uh, I already had a very big network um, I built up you know, over the years anyway in my industry. So a lot of it was just pushing stuff out. And then um, the other thing we managed to do was you know, I got the blog approved um, to appear on Google News, for example. So it's like a Google News approved piece. Mm. So you get a large amount of people. That, whenever you do a search on outsourcing or BPO or anything like that, You'll gen, you will generally see a horses for sources in there, just because it's you know the the more content you push out, the more tags you get, the more meta tags, the more search tags, everything. You just become more and more and more busy on the internet, and you get to the point that people just find you, find you, find you, and then people follow you around. Uh, we have a very good constant contact system now where when people go to our blog, they tend to sign up for our weekly digest. They can forward it on to other people. So we're in a, we're in a very nice situation now where we're probably getting about about 100 new subscribers a week and maybe two or three drop-offs, and that works pretty well for us. So. so that's really, I mean, really that's around, I suppose, the difference with blogs, let's say, you know, three, four years ago was – you had to go and look for the information. So, so you know, you'd specifically have to go and find that blog. And, and now, 
someone using Google News, maybe they've put in a search term on, on outsourcing or something, they'll be finding your stuff alongside the New York Times, for example, yeah? Yeah, and, you know, we get picked up in a lot of places. So when you get a like a finance update on, you know, Google stock alerts and things, they'll have related blog posts tied to it. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's a lot of it's around optimizing your, your presence on the internet and your, and your search capability. And then, you know, once you start to build good relationships with the journalists and things, people just start to automatically come to your site. And, you know, one of the things that we do that has been very successful for us is if there is an M&A or a big event in the industry, so I'll give you the example of when uh, Northgate acquired Convergis's HRO operations a couple of weeks ago. You know, on that day, we got an interview with the CEO, Mike Etling, what happened, why, what does this mean to the industry? And then we put out, you know, seven, 800-word article on what this deal was about, what it means, what's the impact, what do we think about it? And we had that article out that day. And mm -hmm. so everybody who's doing any search on Northgate, blah, 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 comes up with our article very, very quickly. And it was pretty clearly the most comprehensive write-up of the deal. And literally, you know, we had 14,000 web visits that, that, you know, in the next 24 hours just to look at that deal and what happened and what our perspectives were on that. Yeah. And because of that, you've immediately established... Uh, probably another thousand visitors to your site that those companies automatically say, okay, we need to see what these guys are saying. Everyone is seeing what you're doing. And I do remember like a week later, I'm getting like, you know, the deal, the Northgate deal coming out from our competitors. And I'm like, oh my God, this is such old news, right? Who, who, who wants to read, a, you know, who wants to read about it a week later? So mm -hmm. it, it's about timing. And, and part of it, um, Mark, is it's motivation. So you've got to have analysts who, when they hear what's going on in the news, they want to get it out very, very quickly. Yeah. you almost got to have analysts who are like journalists, um, who um, have, the, have the passion to you know, really be first to market and really get their insight out there, uh, rather than analysts who just see it as part of their job, oh, we have to put a piece of insight together, we'll do it. You, know, you, you have to drop everything, you have to be on the ball. And, and, I, and I, that's why I think um, the analyst industry is in such need of fresh energy, you know, fresh thoughts, fresh insight. Otherwise, you know, it will die. And, and when you go to traditional analyst events these days, they're terribly staid and dull. And it's, you know, vendors giving their, you know, very, very glitzy PowerPoint shows. And, and then the buzz has really gone out of that industry. And so what we're trying to do and, and you know, what my friend Ray Wang is trying to do at Altimeter and some other guys like Redmark, you know, we're trying to change the model. We're trying to get the buzz back. We're trying to get the opinion back. Uh, you know, we want to be unafraid to say if we think something, um, someone needs to call bullshit on something, we'll do that. And, mm -hmm. and that's what we're trying to do. Okay. Well, I mean, finally then, uh, it seems like there's a sort of association being created with um, the SSON as a sort of members network and global services as the publishing network and then yourselves now doing the research and analysis. I mean, is that a sort of a formal grouping or is it just you're kind of working together because you've got like complementary offerings? Um, we, we, we got very good relationships with the industry um, the industry forums in general and you know we work not just with SSON but we've worked with several other ones as well and uh, we really like the SSON because they have such a strong um, base of senior finance executives 
and that's really our that's really our lifeblood. Is um, you know we service the senior finance executive who's making uh, tough decisions around BPO. And we'd gone to a lot of their events. We conducted private members groups. We'd given, you know, informally provided them with research for a long time. And because they found so much value in it, SSON said to us, "Look, how can we ensure that our members, our premium members, get access to your research?" And my attitude is, I want them reading our research. So I set up an arrangement where they will have access to our reports as and when we produce them. And if they want to talk to us and have time with us, then we can monetize relationship with those people. That's where we see the real opportunity, and we want them reading our research. That's the bottom line. And and SSON see a lot of value in that. They feel that what we put out in the market is just more timely or more relevant. It's it's also entertaining uh, to their members, and we find buyers will actually read what we put out as opposed to very dry, staid research. So that's why we went ahead and you know, um, arrange this um, research, you know, partnership with SSON. And um, we're looking forward to uh, meeting a lot of their members next week to you know, see where we can take this. Thanks for downloading the Talking Outsourcing podcast. For more information about me and my writing on computing, go to computing.co.uk. And for more information about my other blogs and books, go to www.markhillary.com. Thanks for listening.